Welcome to the Healthcare IT Today interview series. We feel lucky to be able to talk to so many smart, passionate, and knowledgeable people in healthcare. Now, we're taking our favorite interviews and sharing them with you. So sit back, relax, and enjoy perspectives on the world of health IT. Hi, everyone. I'm John Lynn, the founder and chief editor at Healthcare IT Today. We're excited to bring you another in our series of interviews with leaders in healthcare and technology. Today, we have a guest, Trevor Calhoun. He's CEO and co-founder at TPN.Health. Welcome, Trevor. Grateful to be here, John. Thank you. Yeah, so, uh, you know, it's interesting how we met through a friend of a friend, but you've built a really interesting network. Tell us a little bit about yourself and and your network, TPN.Health. Yeah, so I mean, just quickly about myself because that's very important, unimportant. Um, I'm an <laughs> entrepreneur and and uh, very involved in tech and tech businesses for a long time, and been operating tech businesses. And uh, came about uh, TPN probably three years ago uh, through the other co-founders, uh, Christopher O'Shea and Jimmy Mooney, who came across a, a, a developing a great business process of treatment centers, bringing them in. Uh, verifying them on program and then bringing that transparency to the marketplace. Um, mm-hmm. As we got together, Chris wanted to really elevate that. Um, and I was excited to be involved and elevated. And really what TPN has built today is a connected uh, business platform for behavioral health clinicians, allowing them to engage with each other, uh, refer to each other, connect, uh, really see marketplaces where they are digitally uh, and nationally. But more importantly, it's how they come into the system. Uh, we bring them a lot of uh, tech utility in terms of virtual education so they can maintain their licensure. Uh, we, we give them the ability to track their license as they go. Uh, but then also different resources and, and, and utility uh, for organizations, uh, being able to see uh, treatment and acute treatment out there. Uh, to find for themselves. But I think what you're hearing is we don't deal with the customer. Uh, this is a business platform. It's, it's really the digital railroad tracks of behavior mm. health um, and taking away what traditionally for years has been an analog space that's, uh, you know, you've got the clinicians in siloed across the country and nobody really can connect and know what's going on and see who's doing what. And, and that's really the problem we're solving. Yeah, I think it's really interesting. And, you know, you probably have a really good insight into this kind of behavioral health professional space. What are you hearing from them in general? And kind of what's the state of mental health? Uh, you know, obviously, we've seen some explosions of it in COVID moves move to telehealth and, you know, but what, what are you hearing from them? What are their challenges and, and problems? Well, I, I, I think the first thing, the challenge is they're just overwhelmed. Um, I think they're overwhelmed. Um, we had a digital light switch go off with COVID, which was something that needed to happen. And so those were maybe some positive things that happened from COVID. So bringing this industry up into away from the facts and phone really where it was two years ago. And I'm not joking um, to, to bring in a space where where they want to be able to uh, efficiently see the patients they want to see uh, that fit their practice, find those patients, build a business, um, be able to um, you know, learn new modalities, interventions that fit the things that they care about. Um, but I think the overall sense is we're in, a, we're in a crisis in the behavioral space. And as we look at this crisis, uh, I think it's a little unique. Uh, I think we obviously think it's the correct way to look at it, where 
most people say, hey, you have a behavioral health issue, you need to be connected with a ther therapist, right? Mm -hmm. We don't really think it's that easy. We think you need to step back a layer uh, and really look at the infrastructure of behavior health where other industries, there's infrastructure, right? You, you even look at the medical side of the industry where you go to a medical system, uh, you go through a clinical process of recovery, you go through tests, you go through see other doctors, you go through a process of recovery. That doesn't happen uh, nationally or, or even in small geographical areas for patients. Uh, they don't have networks that they connect to. So there is, they find their clinicians because their mom saw somebody or their friend <laughs> saw somebody, right? So they go see that person. Uh, church That's not a clinical match, right? And so we're, we're looking at redoing that process and bringing the power to the clinician to allow them to engage and connect with other clinicians, see visibility. So when they get a patient, they can say, hey, you know, you're great. We're diagnosing you this way, or maybe we need to find someone to diagnose you. And then we're going to use Trusted Provider Network, the TPN system to really find someone that actually matches with you, matches with your insurance, matches maybe geographically where you're located, matches with that diagnosis that we gave you and a, a correct modality intervention that will get you to a healthy process. So that's really what we're seeing and, and how we're approaching uh, this market. I find this fascinating because there is a shortage of mental health providers. So it actually creates an opportunity where people are okay to refer them to the right person that can help them. Yeah. Whereas in a lot of other healthcare, or other you know businesses, like we're not referring, we're going to take the business and run with it. But I think mental health people want you to find the right provider. And there's so much demand for their services that they want it the right place. And where do you see that really kind of, you know, carving out, you know, as you say, trying to find the right one, is it around things like, you know, addiction versus marital versus family versus past abuse? I mean, is it around those types of things or, or, you know, how do you do that kind of matchmaking, if you will? Well, we don't do the matchmaking. Okay. okay. So uh, we, we, we haven't bought into the algo process at this point where you can take questions and then someone could diagnose you and correctly match you with um, the correct okay. practitioners. We're not buying into that at this point. And uh -huh. uh, we're really giving the power and the tool to the existing clinician, allowing them to say, hey, this is what I practice and I know. I mean, behavioral health is becoming more specialized um, mm -hmm. in terms of different areas of ones that you've just discussed uh, in different areas of anxiety disorders or yeah, sure. uh, trauma or um, you know, chemical dependency issues or eating disorders or sexual trauma, whatever the issue would be, it's, it's, it's really allowing that professional to use their skill set and then have transparency in the market to make the correct decisions for that person. I also want to just correct one thing that, that, sure. that we push off against a lot is a lot of people say there's not enough pro providers out there. There's, mm -hmm. we don't know that. We, we really don't know what the providers, we say that for two reasons, we don't know that. One, we don't have an efficient market to even value and judge that at this point, to have all the data. Um, and uh, because we don't have that system, we don't know where everybody is and what they're actually performing. You talk to the payers, the insurance, you talk to the state governments that, that actually the, the, the bodies that are licensing folks, they don't have the, they know that the person's licensed and they might have their address, but they don't know what specialty or modality or intervention they're working on, where they're working, right. how many clients they see. We don't have this aggregate data to actually make intelligent decisions about the marketplace. And, and that's really what we're looking at. We have 
contracted with state governments. We've contracted with insurance companies that are, that are looking to solve and, and get the answers to that. And that's what we right. help. Yeah, well, I guess we'll have to do a follow-up when you get the data. Yeah. That'll be interesting. Yeah. So I find it fascinating that you you actually use CEs as a kind of a real driving force, this whole continuing education requirement behind your work you do. You know, how does that work for a behavioral health professional? They get CEs if they're part of it or explain that process. Yeah, it was really a magical thing that my team came across during COVID where, where we built the system in 2019, which is really this robust Bloomberg LinkedIn, you know, connective yeah. system with data and analytics. And then we realized, well, we got a great product. How do we get these users in here? How do we change behaviors? Uh, we realized through COVID that we could build, you know, in simple terms is we, we really built Netflix of continuing education where we're bringing in other partners to provide very high level democratized and geographically democratized continuing education, um, which, which is bringing wonderful modality teachings or intervention teachings or, or just fitting the quality that they have to hit for their 20 hours or whatever hours they have to right. get annually. Um, and um, what, what that's done for us, uh, it also really fits into our mission. And, the, and, and our mission is to improve behavioral health outcomes for the behavioral health industry. Um, mm -hmm. And part of doing that is let's elevate, you know, the education and, um, and, and the knowledge base of, of all of clinicians across the country. So those in LA or those in New York or major cities that might get access to fantastic continued education, those in you know, Boise, Idaho or, or South Dakota or Des Moines, Iowa can get uh, that fantastic education too. Um, and so it really fit well with, with our, um, our platform, but it, 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 it fit well for two reasons, one to grow the platform, but also it just fit well in terms of the mission as well. So it's quite elegant how, how mm -hmm. this came about. And it was one of those things like the rubber ball, it just, we're like, oh, wow, it bounces. This is great. Sounds good. <laughs> right? No, I mean, it's so compelling because everyone wants CEs. They have to, I mean, to maintain have their to. licensure, et cetera. So it, it's a powerful force. I think you did anger everyone in Boise though. Uh, you know, there's some good people in Boise. There are great. I was just <laughs> On my head, I was there in January. I was doing a therapeutic work on myself, and it, it's a fantastic yeah. city. No, for sure. But no, to your point, though, right? It, it's uh, the CEs available are not equally distributed, right? So that, that oh. is a powerful idea. How do you vet the people that you add to the network? I think that I find this this process whole fascinating. Uh, we've seen it on the medical side, right? How do you know they're really a doctor? <laughs> How do you do yeah. it on the behavioral health side? Well, well, these people really are doctors, right? I mean, they're just in the behavioral health side. So they go sure. through the same process, right? You know, if you want to be a clinical person, uh, uh, you know, a, a, an LCSW, for example, you have to do, I think it's about 2000 hours of clinical work right. with your, your supervised, your monitor. That, that, what does that sound like? Like that's, that's a residency, okay? Yeah. So all of these folks are licensed within their states, okay? So we verify those licenses against those people and certain other verifications just to make sure that they're a real person which is a little secret sauce. Um, but every person that comes in that gets access to the, um, to the network is licensed, okay? Or they've been uh, qualified by a vetted member that said, I know this person, they might be a sober companion or something like that, um, hmm. but they're, they, they have vetted for them. And that might be a treatment center that we've vetted to come in, they vetted for those. So, so, so we give some vetting extension to some of our partners. Um, 
I'll also point out though, if you are not a behavioral health practitioner, this might be interesting to all your people. We have, you know, we did 102,000 hours of continuing education last year. A lot of it is on VOD as well, or, mm -hmm. or, or education on demand, right. uh, and they can be accessed. That is available to anybody. Okay. And you just don't get access to the network of the network of clinicians, which is really valuable and high level proprietary information to those professionals, but you can educate yourself and you can, um, you know, be uh, enlightened and open to this stuff. And especially if you are a young practitioner trying to get your license, you can come on TPN and, and get those CEs um, to, to actually get your licensure. And how much does it cost? It costs that much. Yeah, yeah. I was like, you left off the free. <laughs> I left off the free. Yeah, I should, I should. Yeah, um, we we have an interesting model. So, and and we're very transparent about it. Um, we think the most important person in the ecosystem of behavioral health is the clinician. We we see them as the river that that the water that is in the river that lets it flow. Uh -huh. And um, you know, we the payers uh, for us and our model, we're not a, we're a for-profit business. We're not a non-for-profit business, even though we're a mission-based business is, is organizations that want to be connected with these individuals, whether they're insurance companies, uh, state governments, uh, treatment centers, associations. We deal with the, most of our customers are associations that have large associations of folks that want to techify their association to have engagement tools and engage with their, uh, their members. Um, so that's really how our model works. Um, and the wonderful thing is the winner here is the clinician. The winner here is the clinician that's, that doesn't have to spend the hundreds of dollars a year to maintain their licensure, uh, to be able to monitor that and have CE tracker and CE wallet to do that. All of that stuff is, is free and it will main, maintain. People ask us, clinicians ask like, well, when are you going to start charging us? It's like, that's not our model. That's not what we're trying to do. Yeah, no, it's powerful. And it makes sense. That's a great way to get people onto the platform. Yeah. But then I'm also interested in this referral network you've kind of built. Yeah. Uh, we talked a little bit about it, right? Like getting the client, I guess would be the proper term, you know, to the right, you know, behavioral health professional that's needed for them. So tell us about the problem you're solving there with the network and kind of where are you at in that journey? Yeah, so let's let's go to twenty thousand feet. Okay, yeah. so let's talk about the medical side. You, you have large geographic networks in the United States, like Kaiser Permanente or NYU Hospital or Baylor, right? Mm -hmm. Those are these are these networks. The opportunity for us is because this is such a bifurcated industry um, and it's so analog that we have an opportunity to come in and build a national digital network that that isn't owned by anybody um, and is really you know has a third party you know, good broker, which would be us monitoring it, okay? Mm -hmm. What that allows to happen is you can finally have a network where I would be a clinician that might see a patient, whether it's a, a family friend or, or, or an unrelated patient, they come to me, they might not fit my practice needs and I could go on TPN and find someone who's licensed, who might take the insurance that they have and be able to see that visibility, might see that they're actually available. These are things that are painstaking processes right now where you're on the phone, finding out who's available, texting back and forth. You can see that transparency with us. And really that's, that's a lot of data science process. It's, it's you know, what's the data? Um, do I have the connectivity? What are the analytics of that data? And then making that decision. And so referral is that last thing, making that decision. And we see this in maturation of our network uh, as it grows, and we'll, we are, we have the, I guess, the feature set to do it. Um, it, it. You know, we just are training the clinicians now that this information is available, and you can actually do this. And, you can, and we have all these little 
cool little tools for them to build endorsement networks where they can endorse people and other people can come on and say, who do you endorse? You know, we found that there are Nexus clinicians out there that always, someone always calls, but now they can say, hey, these are the people that I endorse. These are the ones that I use and you can see them too and see if they're available and what their story is because they're constantly updating their profile and, and, and I've changed jobs. I've, I've added a license, things like that. I've added a credential. It's fascinating because I mean, I actually had this situation happen with my, my counselor and, you know, I wanted to get some help for one of my kids and, and my counselor didn't do kids. Right. <laughs> so, like, you know, everyone has these kind of semi built in networks that they've done over time, but it's maybe onesie twosie, right. It's built over time. What, what do you do when you're new? What if, you know, what if my kid goes off to college and needs someone, right? I mean, yeah. there's all these problems of that. So it, it's so, so powerful. Can hospitals and health systems use this as well to do referrals? Because we're seeing this more and more, right? Where they show up to the ED and of course they can't address their mental health challenges really in one visit to the ED. So they want to refer them somewhere. You know, are you working with the hospitals and health systems for, you know, to use your network as well? So, so this is a fascinating area where we spend a lot of time thinking and planning. Um, we, we have a strategy here that I want to discuss, but we're not doing it at this point because we have so much to focus on with clinicians sure. of the three plus million in the United States. Mm-hmm. Hospitals, um, this is the very sad story of what's going on in, in our medical space, where 75% of the discharges that come out of hospitals are behavioral health related. You know, I go to the, but I have a heart problem and you find out it's anxiety and you, you're, you're having, you know, stress related things based on things that are happening in your life sure. um, or, or whatever the, the problem is. The issues that hospitals have is they do not have access because there isn't a network of, of you know, clinicians that they can send and then also track that they've sent them off. Most of those patients that, that are discharged are Medicaid, okay? Um, they're, they're, you know, with MCO contracts and stuff like that. The fascinating thing is we're trying to build is, or we're building is we have several MCO contracted uh, customers, right? Interesting. Uh, without naming them. So, we're building the huge swath pool of these people that actually can service that population um, in this space. I think you know we're in. I'm in New Orleans, Louisiana. Um, we're we're but we're in every state at this point. Um, Louisiana, I think, I think it's up in the 30. And don't quote me correctly. Someone's going to make some comment, but I think it's 30 percent <laughs> of our population is Medicaid. Um, and so those people need to find the qualified provider to deal with their behavioral health. So as what we've built um, and we haven't released and we're not ready to release this for hospitals is the ability for them to track all the discharges they do to follow the Medicaid protocols um, and keep them, which they're worried about is out of yeah. trouble and in compliance, which is correct. Be HIPAA compliant and be able to send these folks out um, and discharge them in the pro- appropriate, proper way, and then track the fact of where they went um, and right. have an audit trail for that. But also what's missing here, which I have not talked about, which is the big piece is clinical match care, right? And, and this, is the, this is the horrible secret about it. And, and I don't fault hospitals for doing that because it's just how the system is. They just want these folks out of their hospital because they're, they're an expense, they're, they're drained on the system, they don't treat them, they're not part of their, their process, but they- They're not gonna get paid for them maybe. <laughs> for them, all this stuff, but they have to do appropriate way of discharging them. This allows them to actually, one, discharge them, which solves their problem, but two, solve society problem of, of finding the clinical match care for that person. So they're not just being, oh, you have an issue, there's a therapist, right? It's like, 
it's like, oh, you have a heart problem? There's a doctor. He can solve it. But the guy's... You know, <laughs> it's an orthopod or not a yeah, cardiologist. <laughs> doesn't do anything. So that, that's, that's really the cool thing that we can start to do, which, which um, um, we'll, get, we'll get to that. Uh, we call it, in our company, we call it rabbits. Like there's just so many rabbits to chase. And so we, we need to focus on you know, the, the most important rabbit and what we want to uh, accomplish and then build off of that. And for that is the clinician. Well, I mean, Trevor, you just need to run faster. Uh, <laughs> I think the tortoise and hare says that's not true either. But. Yeah. <laughs> I would love it. I'm, well, you're, you're, you're making me smile. The rest of my team, kind of <laughs> I like going fast. No, to your point, though, it is a problem. And so I, I look forward to seeing how it progresses. And especially, you know, as you said, uh, and, and we've seen this. I mean, we've covered this so much on Healthcare IT Today uh, just around social determinants of health and, and, you know, mental health status and access to those mental health resources to me is a huge element of that, that isn't provided by the medical system, you know, per, per se. So it, you know, it, that's why it applies very similarly. So cool. Well, where can people go to learn more about uh, TPN? They go to tpn.health um, and that's it. It's, it's just tpn.health is not.com. We're, we're a .health moniker. Cause we're, you know, we, we're, we're a edgy forward thinking <laughs> company. So we're thinking an edgy forward thinking uh, handle. Nice. Um, and, um, and, and they so, can just sign up if you're a behavioral health professional, they just put in their info yep. and sign up. If, if yep. you're a health system that wants to force Trevor to open up this referral network, you can hit the contact page and say, let me know. Yep, <laughs> yep. most definitely. Um, and we'll, we'll decide if, if that's where we want to go right now. But we have a lot of, uh, sure. got a lot of water to drink at this point, but uh, we'd love to hear and, and talk. And maybe, I mean, maybe out of this, a, a partner comes about that we could do a pilot with them. Um, it's a lot of it. it it's, it's an exciting time. Um, yeah. I do want to make one last comment, which we always find interesting because most people, when they talk about behavior health, they talk about stigma. Uh -huh. um, and we don't see it as stigma. Um, mm. We really see behavior health as an economic um, kind of um, uh, calamity uh, for, the, for the customer uh, because the customer in the United States is always has choices and they understand the transparency of those choices, but in behavior health, they don't, okay? Mm. In behavior health, they don't know who to see that fits and matches their behavior health issue. They don't know how long they have to see them uh, until they get recovery. And because of that, they don't know how much it costs. And that comes the economic mm. calamity is it becomes this black hole for them of they say, well, I can go get help, but it's hopeless because I have to go see this person and I see that person and I get passed around. But there is help and there is hope. If you are clinically matched with the right person, you can get to recovery. You really can. Uh, and these people are exceptional and they're phenomenal and, and they know what they're doing. Um, they really do. Yeah. What a great message. Thanks for sharing, Trevor. And thanks so much for taking time to share about your network and resources you're offering. And thanks everyone for watching and listening. If you want to find more great healthcare IT content like this, be sure to check it out at healthcareittoday.com and search for Healthcare IT Today on your favorite podcasting platforms. Thanks, Trevor. Thanks, guys. Thanks, John. Appreciate you.